Well, this is week four, as I said, of our series called The Good Fight, and I want to quickly catch us up uh, with what we've looked at. Here's our theme verse for the entire series, 1 Timothy 6, 12. The Apostle Paul says to a young pastor at a church in Ephesus named Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And this series is all about challenging one another to fight the good fight of the faith and to fight well. Week one, let's review. Uh, we mentioned that there was a reward worth fighting for, that we won't regret fighting for the faith. Here was our verse for that day, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul, at the end of his life, imprisoned in Rome, staring down the uh, last days of his life, he says this. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. We talked about the reward that's in store for fighting for the faith. The second week, we talked about the importance of knowing our spiritual enemy. And we talked about the fact that we do have a spiritual enemy, the devil, Satan. But we talked about perhaps our greatest enemy being our sinful nature and being sin. Here was our verse for that day, Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And we talked about the importance of not giving the devil credit for everything that goes wrong in your life, that sometimes we have to face the fact that we have a sinful nature that we have to wage war against day in and day out so that we can live in victory and fight the faith. And then last week, we talked about the importance of fighting as a good soldier. Here was the verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. Paul says to Timothy again, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. And so we talked about the importance of being all in committed to the mission that we're called to and being good soldiers and fighting well. And today, um, I hope will be a little practical for you. I'm calling the message today, Suit Up, or a subtitle would be Armed for Battle. And we're going to be talking about the armor of God, our defense against the enemy's attacks. So let me give you one statement before we jump into Ephesians chapter 6. And um, I want to give this statement kind of as, as a preface to what we're going to talk about today because we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. We're going to be talking about attacks from our spiritual enemy and how to defend ourselves from those attacks and still live in victory. Uh, but here's, here, here's a statement that I want to give you just contextually. There is a difference between sowing and reaping and spiritual attacks. There's a difference between sowing and reaping and a spiritual attack. And let me kind of unpack that a little bit for you. Sometimes bad things happen to us in life because we make bad decisions. We are constantly sowing and reaping. The seeds that we sow we will reap. So every time something bad happens to us, we can't say, well, Satan's just attacking me. Right? So like if you've got $1,000 in a budget and you've got your month planned out and you see a $350 
whatever, and you decide to go buy it, and you get to the end of the month and there's no money left, you don't really have a right to say, oh, Satan's just after my finances, do you? No, you just don't know how to live on a budget, right? You have sown, you have made decisions, and now you're reaping the consequences of those decisions It's not always a spiritual attack when something bad happens. We've got to own that. We've got to take responsibility for that. We've got to make sure that we're sowing good seed so that we can reap a good harvest. Okay? And I wanted to say that because uh, some people are kind of off to one side and everything that happens in life is an attack from the enemy. Right? I mean, Satan basically lives in their bedroom and like he is torturing them every day and I mean everything in life that could go wrong goes wrong and it's all Satan's fault and they never look in the mirror and they say you know what I'm probably making some unwise decisions I'm probably sowing some bad seed and and this is simply a consequence of the decisions that I've made now after that preface let me say this that there are spiritual attacks that we will face as Christians that our enemy Satan, he roams around, 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, as a roaring lion lion looking for someone to devour. And our call is to be sober-minded and alert and resist the devil so that he will flee from us. There are spiritual forces at war in the world that we live in. And Satan wants nothing more than to destroy our lives, to cause us to turn from God and to intimidate us and to bully us And to attack us, he hopes to catch us defenseless so that he can cause harm. But there's good news. There's good news is that we have a defense against any attack that the enemy would ever wage on us. And it's called the armor of God. And the Apostle Paul, in a letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, as we record it today, kind of breaks down this armor. And I want to share with you Many of you, if you're familiar with church, familiar with scripture, you've heard of the armor of God. You could probably tell me the six components to the armor of God. But I want to read for us the passage that uh, kind of sets up what we're talking about today. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse number 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Where does our strength come from? From the Lord. From his mighty power. Our strength is found in Christ. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are some deep spiritual attacks that happen to people. If you've ever been caught up in a spiritual attack, you know how intense they can be. You understand that life isn't just a bed of roses that we frolic through as Christians and everything just seems to work out perfectly for us. Rather, on the contrary, if we're living for Christ, sometimes we face greater attacks than we would otherwise. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, When the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes. Important. Get that, please. If you're a follower of Christ, when the day of evil comes, there will come attacks upon you that you must withstand and stand strong and defend yourself against. And when the day of evil comes, 
you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. We can stand our ground and not lose battles to the enemy. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. There is an armor that we have available to us that we can stand with and to resist the enemy's attacks. Now, likely the armor that the Apostle Paul would have been referring to um, as a metaphor would have been uh, a Roman soldier's uh, get-up, if you will. This is a good-looking Roman soldier here. Uh, someone told me earlier today that this looks like Frank Sinatra dressed up in Roman gear. So uh, as you see that today, if that rings true, um, then you can just... Um, Thanks, Sabrina, for that. Uh, but you'll notice the gear here is mentioned in Ephesians 6, right? You see the, the belt of truth, okay? You see the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You've got the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, this probably isn't entirely accurate, but this is a pretty accurate reflection of what a Roman soldier's armor would have looked like. And so I want to look at each piece of this armor and just kind of walk us through the importance of each piece of this armor and allow us to understand the confidence that we can have in standing against the enemy's attacks on our lives and being able to stand our ground no matter what. Now, Paul kind of breaks these six pieces of armor into two categories. The first three were the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and, and feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These three articles of armor would have always been worn. These would have been fixed to the body. The belt would have stayed in place. The breastplate would have stayed in place. The shoes would have stayed in place. These would have been functional pieces of armor that they would have marched forward into battle with on all occasions. These would have been primary and foundational pieces of armor. And then the second three uh, were actually more for specific purposes or methods of attack or defense. And so we've got the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, each that has more of a specific role in either a defense or attack. So let's start with the belt of truth. Okay? As you can see in uh, the picture, the belt of truth, the belt in a Roman soldier's armor, um, actually was extremely important because it basically held everything together. It wasn't intended to hold up any kind of pants. It wasn't intended uh, to uh, keep any type of garment in place, but rather it was essential to maintaining the integrity of the breastplate. It was where the sheath for the sword stayed. It basically was a central piece that kind of held everything together. And as it held everything together, it's important for us, likewise, when it comes to the armor of God, to understand that the truth of God's word holds our armor 
together. That it is a foundational piece that, that kind of maintains the integrity between all of the other pieces. A couple of things that you need to know about the belt of truth is that as Christians, we know that, that the truths of God give us our bearings no matter what kind of attacks that we're in. That knowing the truths of God's word gives us our direction in any type of storm, any type of difficulty, any type of conflict, that it gives us a confidence that there is a truth that we can hold firm to. So that when we face attacks from the enemy that cause us to think that we're not good enough or we've messed up too badly, we can go to the truth of God's word and be reminded that those things are simply lies. If you'll remember, our enemy Satan is called the father of all lives. His job is to deceive us. He is actually limited in his ability to attack us. And his primary method of attacking us is to deceive us, to lie to us, to cause us to believe things that aren't true. That's why it's important for us to maintain our integrity by having the truth of God's word holding our armor in place. But you know what it really means for us as followers of Christ is that it's important for us to be truthful before God as a foundation to our spiritual warfare. James says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And it would be easy for us at times in life to live a double-minded approach. You see, we can fool some people into thinking certain truths about us, but God knows the full truth, right? And if we can get to the place where before God, as we stand before God in front of an enemy, if we stand in the truth of who we really are and not pretend to be something that we're not, not play some kind of like church game or spiritual game or Christian game and act one way in certain times and certain places and act other ways in other times and other places. But if we can have an integrity of truth about our lives, an authentic faith, and we can stand in that truth, that is the foundation for this armor to work. If we're not truthful about who we are, if we don't have truth buckled around our waist, then this armor just doesn't work. We can't simply pretend to be something that we're not and expect to get the results of someone who really is. That's why it's important as, as people of faith to continue to stay steadfast in God's truth, to understand the impact that it has on our life. Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is like a mirror, Right? It points out our imperfections. It reveals the things in our lives that need to change and adapt and be fixed, so to speak. And as that truth molds us and makes us into who we are, if we maintain our integrity and we stand in truth, and we're less concerned with fooling people or impressing people or wearing masks or costumes, and we're more concerned with being who God's called us to be, then that's the foundation for God's truth to secure the armor that he's provided for us. How truthful is your life? How truthful is my life? I've been asking this week. Am I standing in the authentic faith that I claim to have, living it out day in and day out? That truth, that integrity is what girds our armor together. The second piece of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Now notice that the breastplate 
protects all of the vital organs, right? The lungs, the heart, the most important organs in our body are protected by this breastplate. This breastplate is held, fastened by the belt because if it ever loses its integrity as armor and there's gaps, then we're susceptible to major attacks. But as long as we're protected, then our vital organs are safe. You ever had your heart hurt? You ever just felt like you had the the breath knocked out of you in life? Listen, there are spiritual attacks that just wage war on your heart, that seem to just suck the life out of you. And it's important for us to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Here's the, the biggest thing that I want you to know about the breastplate of righteousness. When we put our faith in God, it brings with it justification. Okay? Big theological word for some of us, which simply means that our sins are forgiven and we receive the righteousness of Christ because of something that Christ has done, not because of something we have done. So in Christ, as believers of Christ, we inherit righteousness because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Because he was righteous and he gave himself for us, he traded the wages of our sin, he took that upon himself, and he gave to us his righteousness. So our righteousness is not based in our actions or our abilities or how well we can control ourselves. Our righteousness is rooted in Christ, not in ourselves. That's important because it reminds us that when we do mess up, and you will mess up, and I will mess up, and when we fall short of perfection, Satan is right there trying to convince us that we're not good enough, that we've blown it, that God has turned his back on us, that we aren't worthy anymore. But we're not protected from a righteousness that's our own. We're called to clothe ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. And so the confidence that we have when Satan attacks us with those lies that says you're not good enough, you've messed up, your, your heart is not in the right place here, you've missed the mark in this area, you might as well just quit altogether because God's just done with you. You say, no, 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 no. My righteousness is not my own. I am clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And I will not allow those attacks from the enemy to penetrate into my heart, to breathe any type of breath into my lungs, because my righteousness is from Christ. But it's also a call, a reminder from the Apostle Paul that we should live righteous lives. That just because our righteousness comes from Christ doesn't mean that we should live any way that we want. That we should throw holy living out the window and just say, I'm righteous because of Christ, so I'll live any way that I want. That makes you susceptible to attacks. It, 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 removes, it makes chinks in your armor, so to speak. So we're called to live holy before God. We're called to live righteous lives which simply means that we try our best to honor Christ, to bring glory to his son Jesus in everything that we do in this life. 
So we clothe ourselves in the righteousness of Christ, and in response to that, we try to live as righteously as we can. And as we're attempting to live in righteousness, the righteousness that comes from Christ, we defend, we deflect attacks from the enemy. We don't allow things to cling to our heart that shouldn't be there. We don't allow things to put air in our lungs that shouldn't be there. We're guarded, we're protected from those attacks. So we've got the belt of truth, we've got the breastplate of righteousness, and then thirdly, he says, the feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, Roman soldiers obviously would have worn sandals primarily, but some believe that they also had uh, some shoes that were more like boots that perhaps even had spikes somewhat like cleats on the bottom of them that would give them traction in battle. In fact, one of the attacks uh, from the enemies in that day would be to bury spikes in the ground, in the mud, so that when the soldiers would march over them, it would immobilize them by harming their feet. It was important for them to shod their feet, to wear the protective shoes that would keep them safe as they marched forward into battle against their enemy. Now, when it comes to shoes, let's just be honest. Guys typically buy shoes for purposes of function, right? We need something dressy to go to this occasion. We need something athletic for this event that we're participating in. We need something convenient that doesn't require a lot of work. Whereas women typically look at shoes from a more fashionable standpoint. How does this look? Does this match my outfit? Does this, um, I don't know. So women wear things like high heels, which I don't even understand how you walk around in those things, but they look great. But I've heard women in the past like complain that they hurt their feet, and I'm just like, why would you wear them if they hurt their feet? I guess they look good, though. It's important for us in life, when it comes to armor, not to put on our feet things to simply impress others or to look a certain way. We've got to be concerned about marching into battle and having our feet protected. That we make sure that, that our feet are protected. And notice that he says, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Did you know that no matter what conflict, no matter what struggle, no matter what battle you ever face in life, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you should have peace? You should be at peace in Christ, no matter what's going on around you. That's what Jesus has done for you. He has given you peace. And so as we march into battle, we make sure that our feet are protected. The shoes speak of taking ground or holding ground. It speaks to our mobility, that we don't become immobilized. You ever, you ever worn the wrong shoes to the wrong place 
and your feet started hurting and you didn't get to enjoy what you went to do in the first place or you weren't able to do what you went to do in the first place. Maybe you wore some shoes that were too small and you got blisters or maybe you wore the wrong type of shoes. Peace is what carries the weight of our lives into battle. Peace is what carries the weight of our lives into battle. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I want to make a statement, and possibly you'll disagree with it initially, but hopefully you'll at least entertain the thought to consider the weight of what I want to say and the relation that it has to attacks from the enemy on your life. But the majority of the spiritual battles that we face in this life are centered around the mission that Jesus has called us to. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus has sent us into the world. We're to go and make known the gospel message of Jesus. We are to declare the truths of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Now, if you're no threat to the enemy, why would he attack you? Right? Like he isn't just some masochist that just wants to harm people. He doesn't just camp out and, and glory in your torture. But if you ever decide that you want to do something great for God, you ever decide that you want to grow in your faith, you ever make a decision to share the good news of Jesus with someone, and you can expect attacks. Because that's the enemy's main goal, is to thwart the purposes of God. And our purpose as Christians isn't simply to enjoy a lavish life here on this earth, but it's to carry the message of the gospel. So as we carry the message with our feet shod with the gospel of peace, with the breastplate of righteousness, and the belt of truth, we can expect attacks from the enemy. That's why these next three pieces of armor are so important. The shield of faith. The shield of faith. Notice the shield isn't some small round shield. It's not uh, a shield that would have been light and easy to carry. It would have been a major piece of armor. It would have been three to four, potentially five feet tall. It would have been enough for you to hide your body behind. Now, Paul talks about the importance of carrying the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy, the flaming arrows of the enemy. You've probably seen older movies set in Roman times. People would dip arrows in tar, they would light them on fire, and they would shoot them at the enemy. These shields were designed in such a way that they could be held behind as they were receiving an onslaught of these arrows and after they deflected them, then they could keep marching forward. We're talking about a critical, critical piece of armor because 
I believe Satan's primary attack upon us are these fiery darts, these flaming arrows. You ever been just going about your business and all of a sudden you just have an extremely impure thought? You're just like, whoa, where did that come from? Or you're just living life, not really occupied with anything evil per se, and and all of a sudden you just have just this major temptation, this longing to sin. You're faced with the possibility of evil, and you're like, where did that come from? I don't even understand why I'm thinking these thoughts. So it's, it's a fiery dart. It's a flaming arrow. It's the father of lies, lies trying to plant seeds in your head that would get you to turn from the walk in the direction that you're headed into. And that's why the shield of faith, confidence in the things of God, is what we can protect ourselves from those thoughts those arrows. See, Satan, he fires these arrows at us, and then when he makes contact, he turns around and condemns us for being hit. He plays on our mind. He plays on our will. He plays on our emotions. He causes us to think of ourselves differently because of ideas that he planted in our mind to start with. He wants us to live life depressed and defeated, feeling rejected and living in fear. He wants us to live life believing that we're not good enough, believing that God could never do anything with us, believing that we've blown it and there's no possibility for God to ever love us like we thought he once did. But don't we have faith that Jesus is greater than any lie that will ever come our way? so important for us to arm ourselves when these attacks come. You know, these attacks um, are really merely nothing more than temptations. Did you know that in theory and, and really in practice, there's really no sin that you've ever committed that didn't start as a temptation or a thought? There's no sin that you ever really committed that you didn't first at least consider or you are enticed by think about that it's important for us to extinguish these flaming arrows attacks oftentimes come after some type of spiritual victory after we feel like we've accomplished something great I've had several conversations with people in our church Um, we offer this thing called uh a three-month tithe challenge. So, so people who want to honor God with 10% of their income, but they just, they're not quite there. They don't believe that, that they can actually take that step. We just come alongside and say, if you attempt to tithe for three months and God doesn't meet your needs and doesn't hold true to his promises, then we'll refund you your money. And we've heard of, of families that have made this commitment. They've tithed for three months and they ended their time and they said, man, this is this is awesome. Like, I didn't think that I could actually give 10% of my income, but, but now I know that I can. And you know what typically will happen in the next month or two? Something breaks down on the car. They'll have to get something fixed. There'll be some emergency that creeps up. There'll be some type of something that, that comes that causes them to say, oh, I just thought I could do that. Now I, I don't believe I can do that anymore. 
And it's the same with really anything in your life. Anytime that you decide to attempt something for God, you decide, I want to change something. I want to honor God in a better way. You can typically expect that there's going to be some type of attack that's going to follow that. The good thing about these shields is that the armies could stand shoulder to shoulder and they could put these shields together. And not only did their shield protect them, but it protected people around them. In fact, some in the army would turn their shields up overhead while others put their shields in the front and they would literally protect themselves from any flaming arrow or dart that might come their way as they marched forward. It's important for us as a church, as believers, to lean into the faith of others to gain protection from attacks. Isn't it just the opposite, though? When we feel tempted, when we feel like we're facing decisions. Which, by the way, sin isn't in the bait of temptation. It's in the bite. Right? It's not a sin to be tempted with something. It's a sin to take it and eat it, so to speak. I heard someone once say that there's nothing wrong with a bird flying overhead, but when you allow it to build a nest in your head, you got issues. Like, when you entertain temptations, that's when it becomes a sin. Well, have you ever found that when you feel tempted by something, that you want to kind of hide it? Because that temptation makes you feel ashamed when in actuality we should share those temptations with people we love people that are close to us that can help us fight the good fight of the faith and to fend off those flaming arrows the shield of faith protects us from those fiery darts number five is the helmet of salvation the helmet of salvation isn't simply a helmet but notice that it comes and guards parts of the face. Notice that it guards the back of the neck. Vital piece of armor as most of the combat that Roman soldiers would have endured would have been face-to-face or hand-to-hand combat. And people would have taken swords and literally tried to decapitate people. And these helmets were extremely important in their defense. When we do things that could potentially cause damage to our heads, we, we should wear a helmet. Riding bikes in dangerous places. Playing sports such as football. These are things that we recognize could cause harm to our heads. And the same is true spiritually. That it's important for us to understand that it's, it's in our thoughts. It's in our mindset where a lot of the attacks from the enemy come, and we've got to guard against those attacks. Salvation protects our minds, our thoughts, and our imaginations. We have been saved from the outcome of the attacks that Satan would love to launch upon us. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Like I said, most sins start in our thought life, in our imaginations, in our dreams. You ever had a dream that was just so real 
And when you woke up, you were just relieved knowing that the dream wasn't real. Now, some dreams could be good and you hate waking up. But if you've ever had just an excruciating dream where you woke up just in fear and you just felt like, oh, it's not real. That's what the helmet of salvation does. It protects us from allowing the reality of lies that we believe to infiltrate our bodies. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I have this personal problem. You may not experience it, but I tend to keep too much media on my computer. And from time to time, I attempt to download something or to upload some pictures from a camera, and my hard drive will send me an alert, and it'll say there's not space on your hard drive for this media to come. And it's so frustrating. I have to search through my computer and kind of find some things that I can throw away. I start by emptying my trash can and all that kind of stuff. And I try to make room for stuff to come in to our lives. Listen, listen to what um, Ephesians, excuse me, Philippians 4.8 says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what I think we should do as followers of Christ? We should so fill our minds with pure thoughts, with godly thoughts, that when Satan attempts to send negative thoughts our way, he just gets this alert. No, sorry. Hard diff's full. Hard, it's full of good thoughts. And if we'll intentionally think about, meditate upon, dwell on the good things of God, it'll help us to stop from allowing lies from the enemy. And that's what the helmet of salvation does, is it protects us from those. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the only offensive weapon in the armor. The rest of it is intended to defend us from the attacks of the enemy, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the only offensive weapon that we have. Listen, we have to know and love the Word of God if we're going to live in victory over the enemy. You remember when Jesus was baptized in River Jordan by John Baptist? I mean, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove, God's voice resounded through the earth. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you remember what happened immediately after that incredible experience? It said the spirit led him into the desert. And what happened in the desert? He was tempted. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. He went without food. And the enemy began to attack him. And do you remember how Jesus responded to those attacks? He would say, it is written. It is written. It is written. 
Sure, he could have turned stones into bread, and sure, he could have thrown himself off a cliff and believed that God would have rescued him. But the word of God held greater truth for his life than any, than any distraction or temptation from the enemy. And when we face attacks in this life, it's important for us to know God's word so that we can fight against those attacks. No, it is written. This is what the word of God says. This is what I stand on. I don't choose to believe that attack. I choose to believe what is written. Let me ask you this simple question. What shape is your sword in? If you were to go to battle today with your sword as is, how effective would it be? If swords aren't sharpened and taken care of, they can become rusty and dull. How's your sword look? How's my sword look? Let's be intentional about staying in God's word. The word of God is living and active, but it doesn't really come alive until we ingest it. The Word of God is living and active, but it doesn't really come alive to us until we internalize it, until we read it, until we believe on it. So it can be living and active and not effective for us because we don't ever apply it to our lives or read it. I know this sounds elementary, but the more time we spend in God's Word, the more effective we are against the enemy. And then... I just want to end by saying that along with the sword of the Spirit, hand in hand is, is prayer. Let me reread Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The prayer accompanies God's word. While the word of God enlightens us, it's prayer that enables us. While the word of God brings truth into our life, it's prayer that helps us apply the truths to our lives. God's word reveals God's will, but it's through prayer that we're able to do God's will. The sword of the Spirit. Now, let, let me just end with this simple thought. For the non-Christian, for someone who has never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, this life that we live in is as good as it's ever going to get. It's as good as it's ever going to get. In fact, if, if you understand the truths of God's word, that for those who have not chosen to place their faith in Christ, eternity doesn't look so grand. This life is the best that it's going to get. But for those who are followers of Jesus, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, the best is yet to come. This world, this life that we live in, it's as bad as it's ever going to get. It's not going to get much worse than this life that we live in. And I know attacks may seem difficult, and I know that we endure difficult seasons and struggles and battles and it seems difficult, but there's a reward coming. And if we'll stand firm, fight the good fight of the faith, we can rest assured that the best is yet 
to come. And lastly, I'd like to say that being engaged in spiritual warfare, fighting the enemy, feeling the attacks of the enemy, and withstanding those attacks is simply confirmation that you're walking with Christ. I mean, if you never feel attacks from the enemy, then you may not be living in such a way that's threatening to the enemy. But if you're enduring attacks, if you're having to stand firm and defend yourself from the attacks of the enemy, let it serve as confirmation that you're walking in a direction that you should be walking. And know with confidence the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit accompanied with prayer will defend you from any attacks that will ever come your way. It doesn't mean that it'll be easy, but it means that you'll make it. And there's a reward on the other side, so keep fighting the good fight of the faith. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you that, Lord, we get to stand with an armor that defends us from an enemy that wants to destroy us. My prayer, Father God, is that we would arm ourselves for battle, that we would suit up every day of our lives, that we would put a confidence in your word, we would put a confidence in the righteousness that you've given us and the truth that is your salvation would guard our minds, Father God, that the faith that we possess would shield us from flaming arrows and that your word would be a sword for us. For anyone right now that may be enduring a spiritual attack, I pray right now that you would enable them, Father, to withstand the enemy. That they would do everything to stand and then stand firm in who you are. Thank you for an opportunity to fight the good fight of the faith. And we believe together that we will make it through any attack that will ever come our way. And there will be a reward on the other side that's worth enduring that attack. Give us grace, give us mercy, give us boldness, give us courage to fight. And may our faith be strengthened all the more as we apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.